Dark Channel presents Noxo The Case Files of Joshua Chambers A crime drama set in the supernatural world of the Dark Charm universe and the havoc in Baltimore, Maryland and beyond. Episode 3 El Paso de Morte The sun greeted me like an insane asylee as I groaned helplessly. Peeking through the window, it tried with reckless abandon to pierce my eyes with its warmth and bright goodness. I wasn't in the mood for warmth and bright goodness today. In fact, I didn't even feel like leaving my home. I had been put on administrative leave for three months from what happened with the Tyrone Childress case, but I was surely aware it was for something more sinister. I stumbled upon the body of Daisy Joe Johnson, and I believe that I shouldn't have. Someone dropped the ball in the situation, and Karen and I picked it up. I hid the evidence I had on Daisy Joe Johnson under the mattress of my bed. No one from the precinct knew otherwise. Even Karen should have remembered everything that had happened. She was there. It was as if they erased her fucking mind of the whole thing. Even Dr. Guff had the same issue. They didn't remember anything. Whoever was supposed to cover up Daisy's murder made sure that all had their minds erased, except mine. They could use that to discredit me later on. Wouldn't they just send someone to wipe my mind, too? It didn't make any sense to... My doorbell rang. I wiped the sleep out of my eyes and sat up in bed. I put on a pair of jogging pants and walked down my wooden steps. Fuck a shirt. I didn't care at this point. I didn't even have a chance to make a coffee yet to be wonderful to the world. I looked through the eye hole as to who was there. Standing there was a gaunt man with spectacles, and he was dressed in a black suit. man could have been a mortician for all I knew. I had never seen this guy before in my life. I opened the door slightly, still keeping the chain on the lock. Can I help you? Lieutenant Chambers, my name is Vern Garvey, and I'm from Internal Affairs. We would like to have a word with you. I chuckled. We? You're the only one here. Couldn't this have waited until later? It's barely seven o'clock in the morning. Garvey looked at a watch. As a representative of the agency, we have other priorities that we need to take care of later on. My need for a conversation with you is important. It was as if this dude was trying to pierce a hole into my soul with his crazed-looking eyes. May I come in? I was befuddled as this dude was paler than the IPA I drank last night. It didn't help that on the side of the house, where my front door is located, there was not much sunlight in the morning. So, it didn't help his case of not looking creepy. I thought quickly, now Let me finish getting dressed and then I'll let you in. I closed my door and ran up the wooden stairs. This was it. This was the moment I was waiting for three months to happen. They were here to wipe my memory. Or worse. I pulled on a Baltimore Ravens t-shirt I received from my father from Christmas and pulled my 9mm Beretta from my holster and put it in my waistband of the pants I was wearing. I was going to be prepared as much as I could. Moments later, I led him into my living room. Once inside my house, I noticed a smell that disturbed me. I couldn't quite place it early in the morning, 
but it made me very uneasy. As I smelled more of it, I realized it was coming from Garvey. When he sat down, Mr. Garvey opened his briefcase. I sat across from him, gauging his reaction. He had an awkward demeanor about him, like he really wasn't there at all, mentally or physically. He displayed no emotion, but he just stared at me like I was a fly on flypaper. Curious, maybe, but unnerving nonetheless. I thought him a walking mannequin until Garvey finally addressed me. You were put on administrative leave because of your recent interaction with the Tyrone Childress case. Garvey smirked as if he knew my dirty secret. We know about Daisy Johnson, Lieutenant. I needed to brief you on that case. Before he put his hand into his briefcase, I had my hand on my pistol. I didn't pull it out yet, but I had a funny feeling that I needed it ready. It was time that I played my hand. Debrief me, like you did with Karen and Dr. Guff? Lieutenant. Garvey tried to cut me off as he pulled a strange device out of his briefcase. At first, I thought it was a weird pen, but I was sorely mistaken. I had to act quickly. Listen, I know what happened, and I know what I saw. We know, and that is the reason why we need to talk to you about this and your need to keep it secret. He opened up the pen device, and inside was what looked like a lighter. He pressed the button, and a strange buzzing sound came out of it. I was able to ignore it. Keep this secret? You can't tell me this is some government cover-up. Even if it was, there's nothing you can do about it. What happened on the date in question had nothing to do with a real case. It was just a false report. I realized what he was doing. He was trying to hypnotize me. The buzzing sound, trying to supplant memories. I pulled my pistol and said, I know what you're doing. Get out of my house. Lieutenant, you don't want to do this. Don't I? Because right now, even if I were to have booked you myself on obstruction of justice, you probably would get away scot-free. What's to stop me from contacting the feds on this? He leaned over as if reiterating his position. Lieutenant, if we have our clutches in your puny police district, what makes you think we don't have a bigger presence elsewhere? We have to keep all of our activities in check, don't you agree? I slid the chamber of the pistol. Get out of my house. Now. He had a funny reaction. Not funny haha, but funny strange. Garvey didn't put his hands up in defense, or to say that he surrendered or anything. He stared at me as if I had a marshmallow gun in my hand instead of a genuinely lethal weapon. Lieutenant Chambers, I will leave. But I want to let you know that this will not be the last you see of me. He pulled off his eyeglasses as he turned off the machine and put it in his briefcase. Closing his briefcase, he walked to the door and looked back toward me. Have a good day, Lieutenant. He walked out. I should have shot his ass when I had the chance, but I had a strange feeling that it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. I locked the door behind him and tears came down my cheeks as the adrenaline evaporated from my body. I slid down the door and put my hands on my face, sobbing like a baby. Hours later, I visited Louise Johnson again. This time the dog wasn't in the front yard. I knocked loudly on the front door. Lieutenant Chambers? 
Yes, Mrs. Johnson. May I please come in? A look of concern came over her face as she stared at me for several seconds. But to my soul, it felt like hours. Come on, child. You look terrible. It's like the devil done shit in your shoe or something. I walked inside, and once again, the inside of her place looked immaculate. She led me into the living area, and I sat down. Are you all right, child? What's the matter? I kept staring, and I paced the floor. No, no. I'm not okay. Does this have something to do with why you came here a couple months ago? I stared at her. You're damn right it does. I told her the entire story. Every bit of it. I left nothing out and told her that the reason I didn't come to her sooner was because I valued her safety and the safety of her grandchild. Are you sure you wasn't followed back here? Did you look? Did you see anybody following you? <laughs> Mrs. Johnson, I made sure I took a path so random that I wasn't sure that I could have even followed myself. Child, may I just call you Joshua, please? I nodded like I had no care in the world. But Mrs. Johnson had a way of comforting me at this point that always reminded me of my own grandmother. I guess it's a talent given to the best of them. She stood up and walked to an old wooden bureau in her dining room and opened a drawer. She pulled out what I thought was a small black-covered Gideon Bible. She handed it to me. Open it, Joshua. This might be the help you need. There was no writing on the front, but I was pretty sure it was a Bible. I opened it, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Inside were instructions to be followed to the letter. What is this? This is your key to get to safety, child. My home's alright, but I'm pretty sure yours puts you straight in danger, boy. I noticed some of the words in the instruction looked to be in Hebrew script. Is this Kabbalah or something? That was given to me back by a friend when I told him of what happened after I saw Daisy. He said that performing a ritual would save my house from whatever evil was there. And damn if he wasn't right. Where's your friend? Can I meet with him? She shook her head in sadness. He passed away a year ago. He was killed outside his home in Greektown. During a time where all the homeless people were getting killed at random. He had protective wards all over his home and outside, but when you leave your house, well, that just opens you up to danger. I remember last year. We were tracking that motherfucker for months. None of us got a lead on who was doing it, and all of a sudden it stopped. The precincts kept a lookout for something like that to happen again, but it never did. There was a rumor that went around that they finally found the guy who did it that he was found dead at Fort McHenry, but that wasn't for sure. Rumors are like molecules in the police field. They're everywhere. I closed the book. Is there anyone else that can help me in this situation? My friend Carmine, the one that I had mentioned, had friends that dealt with this peculiar situation. They're very old men, though. I doubt any of them are still alive, but Carmine did say to me that at one point, if ever got into trouble with Daisy, to come straight to the shot tower. I looked at her confused. The Baltimore shot tower? That very same shot tower. How could a Baltimore landmark like that have any significance to what the hell was going on with the conspiracy? I had a feeling that dealing with the FBI or the CIA would not give me proper help, but going to what I felt were ancient landmarks seemed absurd. Why there? I asked. I don't know. I've never needed to even go there. Hell, this was almost 40 years ago. 
there might not be anything to do with it. At least not anymore. After I left Mrs. Johnson, I decided to make my way to the shot tower on a lark. I didn't plan to find anything, but Mrs. Johnson's story intrigued me. I went to the old cop shop nearby and parked my car. I walked north on North Front Street until I saw the tower. They called it the Phoenix Tower, but not many people knew that that was its name. People just called it the Old Baltimore Shot Tower. I took a seat at the park and stared at it intently. I didn't know what I was planning or happening, but I stayed on an old bench watching the tower as if it were going to do a magic trick or something. East Baltimore wasn't a neighborhood that I was used to, but I knew my way around. As I peered around, I saw all kinds of people. The sick, the poor, the wealthy, the downtrodden, and myself. I wondered what type of world I lived in where something like this could happen. I knew it was a cold world. I knew that the level of apathy was heinously large. But to see this slithering underworld now in front of me, I wasn't sure if my mind could keep what I saw in perspective. By the time I realized nothing was going to happen, which was at least two hours, I decided to walk back to my car. After buying some essentials at the cop store and getting a bite to eat at Jimmy's famous seafood, it was time to head home. The sun was going down and I needed to make sure that my house was protected. I pulled up to my house, turned off my car, and stared at my home for a moment. I loved my home. I worked hard to get there. But is it really something I needed to do in putting mystical wards on my home, like I'm some sort of conspiracy theorist or nut job? I got out of my car and walked up my gorgeous flight of stairs, only to see that my front door was already open. I grabbed my pepper spray out of the bag I got from the cop shop and opened it up. I pulled my Beretta from my pocket and held it in the other hand. I walked inside trying to be as silent as possible. I saw out of the corner of my eye a shadow lurking. I pointed my gun at the shadow. Hands where I can see them. You picked the wrong house, motherfucker. The lights came on in the living room. It was Vern Garvey. I told you I would see you again. My door slammed behind me, and before I knew it, I was tackled to the ground. I couldn't see who was behind me, but they were very strong. I felt knives come across my back, but my heavier coat seemed to block most of the slashes. I was able to turn around finally to find out who was attacking me. It was the coroners that worked on the case from months ago. It was them, but they looked off. Their mouths opened up to reveal sharp teeth, almost like a shark, and their fingers were pointed to claws. I realized that what was going down my back were not knives at all, but claws. I lifted my gun and fired at them. Bullets sunk into their flesh. They seemed not to be phased one bit. I then used a pepper spray to get them in the eyes so I could get up from the floor. When I got to my knees, I saw the two coroners still fighting the effects of the pepper spray. I turned my attention toward Garvey, but he had already got off of my couch and headed toward me. I punched him in the face, but it felt like I was hitting a stern punching bag. My hand hurt like hell. I raised my gun to fire, but Garvey was way faster than I thought it would be, and knocked my Beretta out of my grip. You could have had it easy, Chambers. You could have just taken to not remembering and led yourself a decent life. <laughs> now... He grabbed a hold of my head like it was a watermelon. 
I knew he was going to break my neck. I could feel the two coroners slashing up my legs with their claws. I pepper sprayed Garvey in the face, but he still held me as if he had my head in a vice. Get off of him, you lousy sack of shit! A voice came from outside my door. I didn't know who it was, but I felt the splatter of blood on my face as a loud bang came from outside. The vice that was Garvey's grip loosened, and I opened my eyes to see that there was a black woman I had never met standing over the orderlies. She had beheaded one of them with a large machete and proceeded to go after the other. I was mortified. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I turned my attention back toward Garvey, and I saw that there was a bullet hole in his head much like that of Daisy Johnson. But Garvey was still alive. Stunned, but still alive, and that worried me. I jumped to my feet and slammed into the couch to get him out of the way. I dove into his briefcase, which was nearby. The woman who came to save me looked at me curiously. What are you doing? Let me just put another bullet in him and get the hell out of here. You ever heard of the double tap? Best way to go. I looked at her closer. She was dressed in black pants that looked like special ops fatigues but wore a Batman t-shirt. She was light mocha colored and her hair looked too good to be anything but natural. In her hand was a forty-four Magnum. I shook my head in disbelief of the entire situation and looked for the pen thing again. <sighs> I can never go back to work if I can't wipe this dude's memory. You're not going to be able to. Just kill him and move on. I looked at her dead in the eyes. I didn't go through the bullshit of becoming a lieutenant in the Baltimore Police Department only to lose it because of this asshole. He is IAB. In the middle of our conversation, I noticed that one of the coroners were coming up from behind the woman. She didn't seem to flinch as she turned around and sliced the head off of the last one clean off. The sound was almost sickening as my stomach lurched into my throat. Okay, Lieutenant. What do we need to try? We don't have much time. The gunshots are a bound to alert the neighbors. Are you kidding? This is Baltimore. Gunshots are like the sounds of birds singing. Very rarely does someone nowadays call the cops. They will if they think the cops in trouble. How well do you know your neighbors? Digging through his briefcase, I'd found the pen device. Finally. I opened it just like he did when he was sitting with me. What? Garvey's blood, which was blackish in color, dripped from the wound. I turned on the buzzing thing. You will have been successful in wiping my mind from the Johnson case. I would be another success story in your cover-up, and I could go back to work whenever ready. The buzzing device seemed to actually be working on Garvey. While digging through the suitcase, I found a pair of translucent earplugs. My will was strong, but apparently Garvey needed extra protection. He wasn't prepared for this. I was successful. The bullet that was in his head came out. His wound began to heal before my eyes, which freaked me out, but didn't deter me from my mission. I continued. Your two coroner cohorts were killed by a random act of violence. No one was really responsible. No one responsible. Now, when I count to three, you will not remember coming back here except for this morning. You will get into your car, leave this place, and you will go about your everyday business with the new information I have just given you. Do you understand? I... I understand. One, two, three. I counted as he then stood up like a robot and walked out of my house with nothing on him. I kept his briefcase and the buzzing pen thing. 
As soon as he left, I turned it off. You know you got done played, right? I'm not so sure. By the way, I don't want to seem ungrateful because I am the furthest thing from that at the moment. But who the hell are you and how did you know I needed help? My name's Calliope Matrego. We were watching you when you came from the tower today. You watched me from the tower? You obviously came here looking for someone. No one just goes to the park and stares at that tower the way that you did for no reason at all. She had caught me. You got me, Miss Matranga. She pointed to the door. You can come with me and we can discuss what's been going on. I can get a cleanup crew here to clean up this mess. I interrupted her. Cleanup crew? Lieutenant, in a world of things that go bump in the night, we just started having things come under control. Now, are you coming or not? How could I say no to that? 